Hello, and welcome to Seismic Airwaves, a podcast centered on earthquakes based in Portland, Oregon, where we learn from experts, survivors, and other disasters. I'm your host, Sabina Roan. This is part two of my conversation with Dr. Yu Xiao, who is a professor at the College of Urban and Public Affairs at Portland State University. For the beginning of this conversation, check out episode six, for part one of Local Economies in Disasters. We had so much great discussion about um, businesses and how the individual concerns are for business owners on top of their own individual household concerns. They have the concerns of their business, these, and the effects regionally, um, like the donut effect, and but we didn't get to talking about your own story and why you got interested in this work. So I wanted to make sure that we we have that to round out the the episode and your perspective. Um, so how did you get involved? And why are you interested in this work looking at businesses and disasters? I never knew that I'll be a disaster researcher. <laughs> it's not like I am born that I know that I'll, I'll do this. No, I didn't know I would do any research on disasters. It was when I was doing my PhD at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, my advisor, he got um, a project from the National Science Foundation and it has to do with uh, hazards and business impact. So I was a research assistant. So for the sake of experience and money, <laughs> right? So And I said, okay, I'll, I'll work on this project. So that was the beginning of it. And then um, soon I learned it's so fascinating and interesting because through the disaster lens, I can talk to so many people from different disciplines. So that project involves multi-discipline, like people in um, um, in supercomputing, in engineering, you know, information science, um, and also there are social scientists, uh, economists. They're all together working towards um, like building tools for community resilience. So that was the beginning, and it was interesting because I'm always curious about things. Um, and this is multidisciplinary, and I, I found it fascinating to be able to reach out to people of different uh, disciplines through the disaster research. So that's how I got into the world of disaster. Yeah. Was your advisor Rob Olshansky? He was. He was on my um, PhD committee. My, oh, okay. my advisor actually is. Ed Fazer. Okay. And I don't know. He's now the, the provost of Oregon State University. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, all, you both came to came yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was my advisor. And uh, he's known for his research on regional economics. And it, it that was a piece that was needed uh, for that research project. So, yeah, because I'm interested in regional economics, businesses, and then that project got me also tied to hazards. So so then uh, after I 
graduated, I found a job at、uh, Texas A&M University with the, you know,、um, planning department. But also, I'm the faculty of the、uh, Hazard Reduction and Recovery Center at the Texas A&M. So that opened the doors for many more research projects on the、uh, disaster. Um, related and then also further my understanding of businesses and how the how households and businesses are related、um, in community resilience in in terms of、uh, if you look at the community post disaster recovery. So yeah, so it it just happened that、um, I was just some kind of luck that <laughs> got into a project. Then I found it interesting. Then. I got a job, and then that my job、um, allowed me to continue further on the path. So that's how I got into this research area. Yeah. And what what special light does your approach shed, or what do you think are the contributions of your discipline, your、mm-hmm. training as a in urban planning?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think、um, when you look at it,、uh, I think urban planners we have a unique background, and our training actually.、Um, Can it's very useful,、um, and we can take a better leading role actually in this type of research, because、um, in planning the planning ethics, we say we、uh, as planners、um, we we care we promote public interest. So for us,、um, our、uh, kind of the vision and horizon is. For all kinds of people, right? So the whole social class, because the general public includes everyone, including people with money, without money, right? So all kind of、um, ethnicity background and all that. So I think for us,、uh, when planners are thinking about community resilience, we will、uh, take、uh, an angle that look at the resilience of all kinds of people, like diversity, inclusion. That's our.、Um, Uh, I, I think that's our、uh, advantage, like from the planning lens.、Um, another part of it is、uh, because as planners, we do、uh, we're mediators and we facilitate, right? So, so if you think about all kinds of disciplines, gotta be some people who's there to facilitate, who have understanding of basic human needs, and then facilitate the discussions,、um, and also like it could be like research effort. Um, in the to promote community resilience, because in the end, no matter wh- whether you are engineer or geologist, in the end, you have to tie that to people, because all the disciplines should serve the needs of the people, right? So, so I think for us as planners, we can be the link or the bridge that um that uh sew all the pieces together, because our um. Because it's in our blood that we care about community and all the people, so so I think for us,、uh, we could take a、um, like better role in、um, putting all pieces together. Yeah, and but that also requires us to have understanding of different disciplines. At least have the know their vocabulary, so you can have a talk with them. So in our planning education,、uh, I. I don't know whether specifically we we get exposed to the engineering side, but 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 I think、um, for us to take up that role, we would better learn something about how other disciplines、um, they the, their way of、uh, researching and research methods and the ver- vocabulary at least. So you can talk to engineers when you talk about fragility curves, <laughs> right? So ground. 
acceleration, right? Those things, at least I think we, we, we should, um, have some basic understanding so that we can, uh, be the bridge, um, between, um, like among all disciplines and, and also like academics, um, linked academics to, uh, the layman, you know, like using the words that the community can understand. Um, so yeah, so I think our discipline really, we're in a, um, because of the type of training we get, we are in a very, uh, to me, I, we can play a critical role in promoting community resilience. How, do you know much about the history of planners involved in community resilience? My impression is it's pretty uh, recently mm-hmm. that that planners are starting to Yeah, so if you think about the history of it, it started with uh, engineers, like building codes, right? So uh, geology of it, you know, um, like I'm talking about seismic. So you used to be more on the engineering side, but in the recent decades, um, there's more, um, like the, then they, they, they figure, oh, wow, if I only know how the ground shakes, it doesn't really translate into community resilience because community resilience has to do with people, right? So even if you build um, a structure, make it safe, it doesn't mean everyone can benefit from it because there's also affordability, right? So the uh, engineers can work on building the most resilient, most um, structurally sound building or facility or structure, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will benefit equally in the society because that can cost a lot of money. Not everyone can afford it. So I think we um, we get we get added to the picture um, later on because you you know, like first of all, people when they think about seismic safety, they think about engineering uh, restraining, uh, not like, like strengthening the building. That's that's their way of thinking. But then it's like when you solve a problem, you want to find the best solution. So at the beginning, yeah, like engineering approach, it is a good solution. It's it's kind of the basic um, and foundational at that level. But then you see how it uh, translates into community resilience. And if you find that, oh, well, sometimes affordability is an issue, then the economist maybe bring into this discussion and, and figure out how um, how to make it affordable and what, what are the socioeconomic consequences, right? And then uh, later on, you have this piece of uh, thinking about uh, social vulnerability. So, so sociology got into the picture by saying that, oh, wow, not everyone are equal. Uh, the risks are not equal. The vulnerability are not equal. So some um, people, like especially with um, lower level of resources, they are more vulnerable. So, so sociology from that side, then um, they get... Uh, added to the picture. Then planning, <laughs> planning. Uh, we we have um, land use uh, planning and zoning and and regulations. So then um, some people in planning begin to say, hey, you know, why not we think about um, where do you put the critical infrastructure, right? So because um, if you keep on investing in the most vulnerable places, then is is putting the money in the harm's way and people's life in harm's way. So through the land use regulations, how we lay out the city, we can also reduce vulnerability and enhance community resilience. 
Yeah, so so see, there's um sequence. It's kind of like at the beginning, people just think about, oh, we just make our building safe. Then they found out, oh, no, 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 it's complicated. Sociology, you know, social vulnerability came in, in the picture. Then people say, oh, planning, we can, hey, how can we contribute? We can we can come back uh, by looking at the regulations of land use. Can We can do that. And uh, and then uh, and then I, I think the the um, more of the um, uh, the planning the role of facilitating um, the discussions and uh, community resilience and then our link to the community serving the public interest can bring that uh, to even a uh, higher level I think yeah so land use regulation is just like um, from the law right but but then I'm thinking more about um, because of our natural um, not natural but our trained way of um, being a facilitator, like being an outreach um, to the community, so then we can um, we can touch uh, more people in the community. So it's just like evolving; <laughs> the roles evolve over time. If one solution does not solve the whole problem, then there are gaps. Then some other discipline or other people may think, "Hey, my discipline can tri- can contribute to some of to fill some of the gaps." Right, so so it's kind of evolving over time, yeah. But we we do need everyone to be part of it. We still need geologists. We still need civil engineers. We still need sociologists, right? And then we we need planners as well. It takes a village, I guess. Yeah, then. yeah, it does. Um, if we all did one thing to prepare, what should it be? Or maybe, I don't know if you prefer to answer that from the perspective of a business or a small business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the small business, um, I think being adaptive is really important. Like, not only look at one week from now or one month from now. Think about six months from now, one year, maybe two years from now. The reason I say it is because um, because after any disaster, it's kind of after any shock, there are aftershocks, okay? So, so um, the... And you, do you mean the actual seismic aftershocks? No, no, no. Okay. I, mean, I mean kind of um, um, aftershock in demand and supply. So mm-hmm. f- from the business side, because you see that, oh, maybe I have more business now. But what about two years from now, right? So if you are uh, doing roof repair, uh, you know, after a hurricane, you probably have a good business for one year, <laughs> maybe, or right? people are doing repairs on their roof. So you have a good business. Now, is it does it mean that you should expand your business because it's going to be good for five years? Maybe not. Right, so after everyone repair, um, maybe their roof will be good for um, a long time. So your business may be lower. So what I mean by adaptation is to think about at least slightly longer term and see how the supply and demand would change, and then adjust your business strategy accordingly. Because I know that in New Zealand, after the Christchurch earthquake, some businesses, uh, the owner of the business, shut down the business. It's out of their choice and that's nothing to do with pride or anything, right? So you have to put down that pride. Okay, I've been doing this for five years now. No, but that was before the earthquake. So after earthquake, they figured, well, our, my customers are not coming back. So maybe I just, um, 
close my business, and then I get a job somewhere. Then I begin to grow back my business gradually. Then I can be a business owner again at some point. So I think that's strategic adjustment, which increases the resilience of that business. Now.、Um, Yeah, like that remind me.、Uh, another story to tell is um, um, there's um, a machine, uh, like a car repair shop in Galveston. So they used to serve the lower income neighborhoods surrounding.、Uh, that's their customer base. But after Hurricane Ike, the lower income neighborhood, many people did not come back. Right, so so then、um, at the beginning they saw really good business because、um, the emergency repair crew from outside they came、um, to clean up、uh, Galveston, but they found that、um, there because of the the road condition is so bad, so they have punctured tire, you know, like they have to car breakdown. So so that car repair shop had good business for a while. Because of、uh, you know vehicle from outside broke down on a, on the island, then some neighbor some some people tell the owner, okay, you should um you should bring back your business, and then the owner said, yeah, I should bring back my business. They lost a lot of tools, so they have to take a loan, cash out their four one k, you know, retirement account、oh, wow. to do that. Then later on, they found, wow, we don't have business anymore because. Why? Because the, the kind of the the their existing or like prior to the disaster, their customers did not come back.、Mm. So those are their stable customer base. Those were their stable customer base. Now the the customers were gone. So then they like they are in high debt. They don't see the. Um, demand for their services, and when I talked to them, they were re- just really high in there, trying to、uh, make it. And、um, so, so that's what I mean. Like resilience to me for a business is、uh, being adaptive, understand your supply and um, demand um, fluctuations, especially the the customer demand fluctuation. Then your investment or reinvestment decisions should go accordingly. Yeah, so don't、um, overspend a lot of money、um, if you see that it, you may have a slow business in the next couple of months. It's not worth it, right? So, so taking too much、uh, debt is a risk after a disaster. So some people they because of their family have been doing that business for generations, or there's like attachment to that business. But I think、um, realistically, they have to look at what、um, their customer like base or like the, the demand look like in the months and years after the disaster, and which has great tie with community recovery, recovery of the households, other businesses. Uh, as a community as a whole, so so I think understanding that piece and match that、um, the customer recovery with the investment reinvestment decision will be a good way to deal with business resilience. So resilience does not equal to come back as soon as you can. <laughs> It means being adaptive, listen to your customers, and provide the service matching with demand. So that's my interpretation of business resilience. It does not mean come back as soon as you can.
no. Sometimes if you do that, you fail. Wow, this is really great information. <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine. Well, I'm not a business owner myself, mm-hmm. but it's so there's many pieces on this. It's hard for me to imagine being in their, those shoes, but it seems like after a disaster like that, there just be so many questions mm-hmm. and to have access to this research of what, you know, if you've looked at large scales and seen that these are patterns of how things play out, I think having access to that, that, that research could help small yeah. businesses. Yeah, so yeah, I heard the stories of small business owner trying to save that business for years, all the kind of suffering has gone through, but closed the door and then they said they will never bring it back. If they have known how hard it is. But but to me that's because um because they they don't like know who the customers are. Uh, like who were the customers and after the answer, do we still have the customer? You know, that is just, um, the constant, um, question that they, they have to pay attention to. So, so, um, don't think everything will be the same. The community will come back as it was before. It never come back the same. So being adaptive, understanding the dynamics of, uh, the, uh, it's really like customer demand, but, but then it tied to the community recovery, right? So match your business with the demand. That would be the, really the best solution. Yeah. So it's, it will avoid, um, so much suffering and trouble later on. So don't be stubborn. <laughs> be adaptive. <laughs> There are a lot of disciplines involved in the field of emergency management. Historically, these disciplines have been somewhat siloed. Dr. Shao sees the potential for urban planning to act as a facilitator, and I'm partial to this view as an urban planner myself that we can improve our communication to work together between different disciplines and create a stronger ability to prepare and respond and recover. If you're the owner, operator, or involved in some other way in local business, know that you aren't alone. And if you tap into it, there's a body of research which could be useful to you. There are patterns of how things play out and lessons to learn from how other small businesses have coped. Dr. Shao keeps it focused on the important parts of community resilience and emergency management, the people. We at Seismic Airwaves would love to hear from you. You can help determine the directions we take with this podcast. Submit questions about earthquakes, emergency management, disasters, etc. online, and your question could be featured in an episode and help us form our content. You can actually record an audio message that we can play in the episode at anchor.fm slash seismic airwaves. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash S-E-I-S-M-I-C-A-I-R-W-A-V-E-S. And you can also send us an email at seismicairwaves at gmail.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, have learned some interesting things, or want to share it with more people, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter and donating to Seismic Airwaves. Please go to www.patreon.com slash seismicairwaves to help support the podcast. That's 
www.patreon.com slash seismic airwaves. And make sure that you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Seismic Airwaves. This podcast is based in Portland, Oregon on traditional and ancestral homelands of the Multnomah, Clathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, Watlala Bands of the Chinook, the Tualatin Kalapoya, and many other indigenous nations of the Columbia River. In acknowledging these communities, we honor the sacrifices forced upon them, their legacy, their lives, and their descendants. Our team is Sarah Mayer, Joseph Myers, and Adrian Brown. I'm your host, Sabina Roan. And that's it for this episode of Seismic Airways. Until next time, take care.